Amen. We would be destitute without the grace of God. We thank God for it. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 2. Hebrews chapter number 2. We'll be looking at the first four verses here this morning as we get started. Uh, and we will be moving around quite a bit throughout the New Testament this morning. Uh, and so if you will, you can, I'd encourage you to jot references down and then uh, I'm going to move quickly. So if you, if you struggle to keep up, get, in tra- get your page turned, just jot the reference down. You can go back and review over that uh, as you study it this week and, and use it hopefully in your devotional life just to reflect on how good God is to us. Hebrews chapter 2. Uh, And beginning in verse number one, the Bible says, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. I want to speak to you this morning on this thought, so great salvation. Let's pray. Fathers, we thank you this morning for your goodness to us. We thank you for the truth that the Bible shares with us about the salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you'd help us not to neglect it. I pray that you'd help us to be attentive to it. Lord, to not just take it for granted. Lord, to not assume that it's uh, that we have it if we've never placed our faith and trust in you. Not to waste it if we've received it. Uh, and to just hoard it to ourselves. Lord, may you work in our hearts and lives. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. I pray that you convict us of our sin. I pray that you would encourage those perhaps that are discouraged this morning, be a comfort to those that are grieving, uh, and Lord, strengthen those that are ill. Lord, bless our time together. Bless those that are watching online as well. Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified by all that's said and done and by our response to what we hear this morning from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. As he begins here in chapter 2, he begins with therefore. So obviously we have to understand the context of what is being talked about here as chapter 2 opens. Uh, and so when he starts here, he's what he's saying with therefore is because of the truth that I've just presented to you. Because of what I've just revealed, uh, then this applies. And so in other words, everything that he says here as he begins chapter 2, has to be understood through the, through the prism of because of what I just said in the preceding verses here in chapter number one. Now we're not going to take the time to read all of chapter one this morning. Uh, we are going to look at a lot of different passages this morning. Uh, but we are going to look at just these first three verses and then we'll reference verses four through thirteen. But if you would turn your page back to Hebrews chapter number one, uh, God in verse one, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, 
by whom also he made the world. So right away, he's identifying to us that God created the earth through the Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is our creator. He is our God. He is the son of God the Father. Uh, we know that all of the Trinity was involved in the creative acts. He, says that they, uh, he speaks in terms of them being uh, working together. Then in verse 3, who, Jesus, being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he hath by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So as we begin to understand what he's talking about in chapter 2, consider this, that he's making a statement right off the bat as Hebrews begins, that Jesus Christ is greater than the prophets. And so when you stop and you take that into context, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we've heard because Jesus Christ is greater than the prophets. Listen, they understood the greatness of the prophets. And the prophets were not great uh, simply because they were, uh, they were great men. They were just men. Their greatness laid within the fact that God worked and spoke in them and through them. Uh, and they humbled themselves and they allowed God uh, to use them. And so he makes the case here uh, that Jesus Christ is the brightness of God's glory. When we stop and you think about the Lord Jesus, we're not talking about just a historical figure. We're not talking about a myth. Uh, we're not talking about uh, someone whose who's exploits have been exaggerated and uh, have been blown out of proportion. He is described as the brightness of God's glory. Uh, he is brighter than the sun. He is uh, greater than what our minds can even fathom uh, and understand. He is the express image, it says, of God's person. If you want to know what God is like, learn about Jesus' character. Learn about the character traits of him. Watch how he interacted with people. Watch how he stood for truth. Watch how he condemned evil. Watch how he reached out and went and sought out those who were lost and uh, who had drifted away. All that I need to know about God, the Father, I see in Jesus Christ, the Son. And so as he lays out here, he's saying he is the brightness of God's glory. He is the expressed image of God's person. And he is holding all things together. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 17 tell us that, that, he, that everything is by him. Uh, and by him all things consist. He is the glue that holds everything together. The reason this morning that the earth doesn't spin off out into space and get out of orbit around the sun is because Jesus Christ holds it in its place. Uh, the reason that the stars stay on their path and the comets follow uh, their orbits throughout galaxies is because Jesus, the Christ, holds it all together. He is the God that created all of it and it is all under his control. He this morning also is described as having purged our sins alone. No one else could pay the price. No one else was willing to make the sacrifice. And even if they were, they were not qualified or acceptable to be given to God as a sacrifice for the sin of humanity. Jesus came and he purged our sins of his own volition at the command of the Father under his own, with his own excuse me, willingness to make that sacrifice. And as he came, he, he purged our sins and then he sat down at the right hand of God Almighty. Uh, and he's sitting there this morning. 
Uh, and he's looking down and he is in control of all things. And he's making intercession for you and for I. And he's preparing a place for us that sometime uh, in the near future he'll come and receive his church to himself. Uh, and he will bring us into the presence of Almighty God into our future home. Jesus is greater than the prophets this morning. They could tell about God's greatness. They could tell about what God was going to do. They could tell about God's holiness and God's righteousness. But Jesus was the righteousness and the holiness and the person of God. Not only did chapter 1 tell us about the fact that Jesus is greater than the prophets, but immediately after he makes the, uh, the case that Jesus is greater than the prophets, he then, through verses 4 through 13, makes the case that Jesus is greater than the angels. He is greater than these supernatural beings. He is superior to those beings that God created as ministering spirits to himself and to mankind. He is a more excellent, he has a more excellent name than the angels. As the angels have uh, a great name, they have great uh, power, they have uh, the ability to worship, they have the ability to come and to go and uh, to do things that, uh, that we could have a hard time even understanding, but they're not God. Jesus is. He has a name more excellent than the angels. He is worshiped by angels. And those verses preceding, uh, we see in there that it's not just God the Father worshipped by the angels, but Jesus is worshipped by the angels. And that his throne is not temporary, his throne is forever. Mr. Putin's throne this morning is temporary. Uh, and so uh, I think probably the, the I, I wish that we had some leaders like Ukraine has this morning. Uh, when offered a ride to flee the country, he said to Mr. Biden, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition. Uh, we used to have leaders like that in the United States. Uh, and so Jesus comes and he says, listen, uh, the thrones that are of man upon the earth, the thrones that, uh, the thrones that are sat upon by the kings of, uh, that are passed from generations and all of their splendor and greatness, even uh, monarchies that have lasted for, uh, for centuries, if not uh, millennia, are nothing compared to the throne and the royalty of Jesus. His throne is forever. He is forever. He's not going anywhere. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When you stop and you think about him, he never gets ill. He never, uh, he never gets distracted. He doesn't, never loses focus. He never forgets anything. He's always uh, there and he's the same forever. And the angels, the Bible tells us here in chapter 1, minister then to the heirs. That's us. We are the heirs of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says that we're joint heirs with him. Now, therefore, because of that, because Jesus Christ is greater than the prophets, because Jesus the Christ is greater than the angels, pay attention and live true. That's what he's saying. The word therefore means simply that. It means stand up, pay attention, something important has been said, live by it. And so we see that we live by the truth that we're given by the word of God. If the angels spoke truly and they did, and if every sin receives its just reward and it does, how shall we escape? When you look and you stop and you consider what he says here, 
For if the word in verse 2 of chapter 2 of angel, spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? The word neglect means simply to disregard. How can I escape if I disregard this powerful, awesome Christ? How can I escape if my sins are appropriately and justly punished, adjudicated, and I'm condemned as I should, how could I escape minus Christ? I need Jesus Christ. I need his salvation. I need his power in my life. I need the word of God working in my heart. How can I escape if I neglect him? Listen, it's not just this morning salvation from the enemy that we need. We are under siege in our spirit. We are under siege by our culture. We are under siege by the world around us at large in our Christian life. Satan does not want one more person to give his heart to Christ in salvation. Nor does he want one more Christian to give their heart fully to Christ in service. Nor does he want one more Christian that's drifted away from him to come home and to be restored. He wants to do all that he can to interrupt and to intervene and to prevent the work of God from taking place in our hearts and in the hearts of those that he has captured and that he has distracted. It is not just salvation from that enemy that we need this morning though. We need salvation from our sin. We need salvation from temptation. We need salvation from discouragement. We need salvation from attack, from oppression. We need, we need salvation from everything that would come upon us that would take us away from God. And if salvation from the judgment of God is needed, and it is, and then, the then salvation from the power over sin in our lives is needed as well. Listen, the finality of death we need salvation from and we have it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's not just salvation, it's great salvation. It's not just a salvation that's been uh, put out temporarily. It was not cheap. It cost and was made by the purchase of blood, but not just any blood, divine blood, holy blood, pure blood, blood that was a worthy sacrifice. So we look this morning at, uh, at, our, <coughs> at our text and what he's saying here. How shall we neglect this great salvation? Let's for a moment this morning consider this salvation. Number one this morning I would say that this salvation is great because of the provider. It is great because of the provider. What makes it so great, Pastor? Well, if the sacrifice is going to be made, it has to be worthy. If I were to come this morning to... And this, uh, you know, a lot of time, there were a lot of times after, uh, after the Civil War ended in the United States, uh, then ever uh, the southern states had all this money that was Confederate. It had the same values on it as it had, <coughs> as it had, uh, as the, the United States currency had. But it didn't have any value. It looked similar, but it didn't have value. Occasionally, if I travel, I've got a drawer in my, uh, in my nightstand that I've got just a little bit of leftover currency from, uh, from uh, a couple of different, from two or three different countries that I've been to. And, uh, and they don't mean a thing here. 
I mean, I can take out uh, some Canadian money or some Nicaraguan money or some uh, Mexican currency and I can uh, I can go. Maybe I could find some places around Baytown that would take the, uh, the currency from Mexico if I went to the right store. But uh, I don't think anybody's too, uh, too interested uh, in a Canadian TUI. That's a $2 coin. Uh, they call the $1 coin a loony and they call the $2 coin a toony or a toony. Uh, and they don't have current, they don't have paper money for anything less than a five and they don't have pennies. They just round everything off. And so some, some countries as bad as they are uh, and, and some of their politics do things a little bit smarter than we do at times. It costs more to make a penny than it's worth. What am I saying this morning? I'm saying that if the sacrifice isn't an acceptable currency to the one that it's being offered to, it's worthless. Listen, there are a lot of people that could come in and say, hey, I'll sacrifice for your sin. But it doesn't mean anything to God. Why? Because it's an unworthy sacrifice. It's an illegitimate sacrifice. And however well-intentioned it might be, it is not going to be accepted in the throne room of God. It doesn't matter what the, uh, the heart of the individual is that wants to make it. It doesn't matter how much they're willing to sacrifice. It doesn't matter how much they love. It doesn't matter how much they're willing to pay, how much wealth they've accumulated. It doesn't matter if they're willing to sacrifice their pride, their name, their life's work. If it is not an acceptable sacrifice, it is worthless. And I'm just telling you this morning that our salvation in Christ is great because of the, the greatness of the provider. And the greatness of the provider is found in the fact that the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on Calvary's cross was the only sacrifice that was acceptable to a holy God in heaven. Amen. He is worthy this morning and he is great and the greatness of the provider is because he is worthy. How do I know that he's worthy? Because the Bible tells us of his worthiness in Revelation chapter number 4. And beginning in verse number 8, he said, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about them, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him and sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Created. He continues in chapter 5, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much. Because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld... 
And lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, and which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and he took the book of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors and which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and had made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders and the numbers of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Our salvation is great because our Savior was an acceptable sacrifice. He was a worthy sacrifice and his sacrifice was not cast aside. His sacrifice was not meaningless. His sacrifice was accepted. His sacrifice was brought uh, before God and God accepted that sacrifice. He did not cast it away. How do you know pastor Hebrews chapter number 9 in uh, verses uh, 12 through 14 uh, he tells us uh, he tells us not neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and of ashes of an heifer sprinkled to the unclean sanctify it to the purifying of the flesh how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works and to serve the living God not only does he say that but in chapter 10 uh, beginning in verses 9 in verse 9 he says then said he lo I come to do thy will O God he taketh away the first that he may establish the second by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice which can never take away sins but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. I'm saying this morning that our salvation is great because he is worthy. And because he is worthy, his sacrifice has been accepted. And because his sacrifice has been accepted, we can be accepted when we receive forgiveness of our sins. Listen, this morning, we're all born in sin. We're all condemned already. We didn't have to do anything to become condemned. John chapter 3 tells us how much God loved us, but it also tells us that our state, our state of condemnation, we were born condemned in our sin. And because we are sinful in nature, we acted upon that nature and we committed sin. And because of those two thought, those two truths, and because that sin nature caused our spirit to die in the garden, we stand before God unworthy. We stand before God unholy. We stand before God corrupt and condemned and unable to do anything 
to, to earn our way to heaven or to get ourselves forgiven or to find a way to pay the debt that we owe so that our holiness and our purity and our state of creation can be restored. But Jesus loved us so much that he said, and as he looked down from heaven, you cannot pay the debt that you owe. Your blood is not worthy. Your spirit is corrupt. Mine and dead. Mine is alive and well. And I'm going to leave heaven and I'm going to come to the earth and I'm greater than the angels and I can do all of this and hold everything together too and I'm going to walk amongst you and I'm going to love you and I'm going to seek you and I'm going to prove to you that, that I uh, am the God of heaven and as I walk amongst you and as I heal you and as I love you and as I show compassion to you I am going to come before my Father and I am going to offer myself a sacrifice so that when God looks at your sin and says I love them son but I can't let them in because they're corrupt they're not clean Jesus said would you wash them with my blood that they might be cleansed that they might be able to enter in and God the father looked and said that's the only sacrifice that could be acceptable that's the only way that they could be restored and Jesus went to Calvary's cross and Jesus sacrificed himself not to satisfy his own needs but to offer himself for your need and for my need and as he willingly laid his life down and as the wrath of God on high poured his wrath for our sin out on the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ the sacrifice was made and the accepted and the sacrifice was accepted and death ensued but Jesus rose from death and he got up out of the grave and it was conquered and it was defeated for eternity why because there was a sacrifice that was made by a savior who was worthy and it was acceptable unto this father in heaven and to the great adjudicator of all that's holy uh, on his throne and he welcomed him in and he said now go and get your children birth them to me bring them to me let them be born again. Show them that there is a way. Our salvation this morning is great because of the provider, but it's also great because of its provision. He did not just say, I provided it, but I can't get it to you. I read uh, this, the, this late yesterday or this morning about how, <coughs> how uh, our government announced that they're going to give uh, $350 million more in military aid uh, to the uh, brave men, women in Ukraine that are fighting for their country this morning. And the first thought that went through my mind was, well, how are you going to get it to them? It's there. It's sitting on a tarmac in Germany or some other NATO country somewhere. But how are you going to get it to them without being captured by the enemy? I'm sure that there's got to be a way. But the first thought that comes to mind is, is, hey, it's been provided. But it's of no use. And until it gets to where it needs to be, it's not very useful. I'm just saying this morning that God did not say, you're in your sin and I love you and I've provided a solution to your problem, but you don't have access to it. He said, I've provided the solution to your problem and here is the provision of that solution. Uh, listen, we come this morning understanding that God has provided us in the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ an escape from the lake of fire, which is for eternity. We have an escape for the punishment of our sin because of what Jesus Christ did on Calvary's cross in Matthew chapter 23 and verse number in verse number 33, uh, he said this, Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape damnation of hell? 
I tell you how we can escape damnation of hell this morning. We escape damnation of hell and of the lake of fire through the acceptance of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, which he made available by the sacrifice of his blood on Calvary's cross. And he conquered that death when he got up out of the grave. It's been provided. An escape has been provided. Hebrews in chapter 12 and uh, verse number 25. He said, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that is spake on earth, how much more, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Listen, God looks down and says, You've sinned, but I've solved the problem. And if you'll accept the sacrifice of my son and receive his forgiveness, and invite him to be your savior come into your heart and to save you then you have eternal life but we have not eternal life if we don't listen to the voice that spoke from heaven he's done it all it's all been paid and he's provided that escape will we accept it he provided an escape from hell and he provided eternal life he did not provide temporary life he did not provide life that I have to maintain. He provided life uh, that I'll never even really uh, fully understand. And it doesn't matter where you come from uh, to, accept, to accept and to experience this life. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter the amount of money in your bank account. It doesn't matter which side of the tracks you came up on. Uh, we all have the same flesh and we all have uh, the same blood and we all have the same Jesus that saves us. Amen. I'm saying this morning that he provided eternal life for the poor and for the rich, for the good and for the bad. And Pastor, how can that person so evil? How could they, how could they ever go to heaven by forg asking forgiveness for their sins and putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ? And if they'll humble themselves and repent of their sin, Jesus will save them. 2 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 9 tells us the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, uh, but is, uh, is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants all men uh, to come to him in salvation. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13 tells us, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you this morning, if you realize, Pastor, I'm in my sin, and I might be a good person, uh, but I am not a worthy sacrifice. It's good that the Holy Spirit of God revealed that to you and helped you to realize that. Now do something about it. Don't just take that information and harbor it in your heart, but act upon it uh, and to give your heart to him. Call upon him and seek his forgiveness and accept him uh, as your savior. Why? Because he's providing you eternal life and he's providing you in that eternal life reconciliation to God. Not to be cut off from God. Not not to be cut, cast aside by God, not to be forgotten by God, but to have a relationship with your Father in heaven that has been fully restored, that you can enjoy uh, his fellowship and his company and his guidance and his direction and his provision and his love and his care. He, he reconciles us. Romans chapter 5 and verse 10 says, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Listen, he wants to do a great work in our life in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 
in verses 17 through 20, verses that we know well, he says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new, uh, he is a new, creature, new creature. Uh, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all, all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us to the ministry of reconciliation, to wait that... Uh, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. He imputed them to Jesus, uh, if we'll accept his gift, and hath committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Salvation does not just give us eternal life, it reconciles our relationship with the Father. It reconciles us and brings us into his presence. It makes us a son as we come before him. Listen, this morning, our salvation is great because of its provider. And our salvation is great because of its provision. But our salvation is also great this morning because of its potential. So, Pastor, potential, I've got eternal life on my way to heaven. How can it get any better than that? You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to experience it. That's how it can get better than that. Amen. Sometimes we uh, put our faith and trust in Christ, but we never live up to the potential of that salvation that he's provided us. Too many Christians this morning are living, uh, are, are living uh, for heaven instead of living in heaven along the way. Yeah. And we uh, have joy available to us that we could experience if we would allow uh, God to work in our heart. Love that we could experience uh, if we could uh, allow God uh, to get close to us and we would draw close to him. Listen, salvation is awesome because it has the potential to save not just you and not just me and not just a few but all. He died for everyone. He paid uh, the sins debt uh, for everybody. Hebrews chapter 10 in verse 10, he said it this way, by the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He doesn't hand pick. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, cast aside those that, uh, those that you and I might not be so excited to see come to Christ. Say, Pastor, people, everybody ought to be excited to see people come to Christ. Yeah, they should, but they're not always. Jonah never was. He preached and saw hundreds of thousands uh, uh, by the population count of Nineveh uh, come to Christ, but he never rejoiced about it. He wanted them to die and burn. There were mortal enemies. He hated them. I mean, be careful about, uh, about the fact that we need to uh, not hate those which Jesus loves. So who does Jesus love? Pastor, everybody. He died for everybody. Everybody ought to be treated with kindness. Everybody ought to be treated with respect. Ought to be, everybody ought to be treated uh, with dignity. Uh, but the reality is, is that, uh, that when we come to that realization that Jesus Christ died not to save a few, but to save all. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 3 through 7. He, he says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and I lie not. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath 
and doubting. We understand this morning that Jesus Christ came to save all and he is our advocate with the Father. He is the propitiation or the substitute for our sin as we're told in 1 John chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2 when he said, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Listen, he loves all. He did not die for a few, but he died for all. He's made salvation available to everyone. He has the potential to save all. Not only that, it's the potential to change lives. He didn't just leave us here to figure it out after we were saved. He did not leave us in our sin. He did not leave us uh, with, uh, we may have in our sin maimed our bodies and harmed our minds, uh, but, it, but God uh, will set all that in order when we get to heaven. But in the meantime, he can clean us up. And he can rehabilitate us and he can uh, put us on a better path. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and uh, verses 9 through 11, he says, Know ye not that the unrighteousness shall not, that unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But notice what he says in the next verse. And such were some of you. You were that. That will not inherit the kingdom of God. But when you put your faith and trust in him, he changes all that. And he changes your life. And he no longer sees you as what you were. He sees you as what he's making you to be. Amen. And we look and we understand <coughs> that and such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient or to my advantage. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any because we're under the power of our Savior. It is great because of its potential. It has the potential not only to save my soul, but to set me free. To set me free, not just from the penalty of my sin, but the power of sin in my life. To let me live in liberty, to let me live in victory, to let me live a life uh, that honors God. It's great because of its potential. And lastly, it's great this morning because it's personal. It's great because it's personal. It's not for just, it's not just for you. It's not just for for them it's for me Amen. hey and it's great to hear whenever the good things happen to other people Amen. it's a blessing to hear somebody gets to rejoice about something that's going on in their life and you're happy for them and you're excited about them but it doesn't affect you this has the potential to affect me Amen. it's a personal salvation because he's a personal savior in John chapter 3 and we don't have time to turn there this morning but Nicodemus comes to Jesus and said what must I do and Jesus came to him personally he did not send one of the disciples he did not send an angel from heaven he did not send anyone he came to him and he said be born again what is that how can I do that and Jesus lovingly explained to him how he could do that and what it meant and he trusted Christ as his Savior I'm saying this morning that it is a personal salvation Salvation is for me personally. Salvation is for you personally. I can't get saved for you and you can't get saved for me. I can't accept salvation for you and you can't accept salvation for me. It's a personal decision. And only I can make it. 
Only I can repent of my sins. Only I can seek forgiveness from the Savior. Only I uh, can give my heart to Christ. Why? Because he's a personal Savior. He loves you personally. He died for you personally. Pastor Jesus died for everybody, but if we would have been the only one, he would die for you. He died for you. He died for all those people that will spend an eternity separated from him in a lake of fire that never put their faith and trust in him. They won't go to hell because the price wasn't paid. They won't go to hell and, and the lake of fire because, uh, because uh, the, 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 an acceptable sacrifice wasn't offered. They'll go because they refuse to accept it. It's a personal savior, salvation and he's a personal savior. So what's the point of all this, Pastor? It's simply this. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Let them begin to slide away. Let them begin to fall away. To fall away from the power of God in our lives. To fall away from the truth of His holiness and power. To fall away from His guidance and direction in our life. To don't let them slip. Pay attention to what we've heard so that we don't let them slip away. Because if they were spoken by angels. And it was demonstrated by Christ. And if the angels have stated that no one will escape. How can I escape if I neglect so great salvation? Listen, my friends, this morning, you can't escape. If you're here this morning, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. When you leave this life, you will wake up in the torments of hell, not because you're good and not because you're bad, but because Jesus Christ is not your Savior. It's not about your condition. It's about your position. And your position is that of a sinner. But when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and repent of your sin and you're born into God's family, your position changes. You're no longer a sinner. Now you're a son or daughter. You are now a family member who has his love and compassion and say, oh, pastor, but I've got all these problems. I've got all this sin. He'll, he'll, he'll work on that. But it's forgiven. He'll grow you if you'll let him. If you'll accept him, if you'll come to him and you'll say, Jesus, you gave yourself for me. I want to accept you. Don't neglect that this morning. Neglect the habitual want of regard. To habitually just disregard something. To habitually not pay attention to it. An omission of attention is part of the definition. So, Pastor, well, I'm not, I, I don't want to blow God off. Have you paid attention to him? Have you paid attention to what he said? Have you paid attention to what his desires are? Are we being obedient to his will? Because if we're not, we're disregarding him. Listen, my friends, Jesus Christ does not want one soul to spend an eternity separated from him in a lake of fire. He gave himself for all. Will you accept him? So, Pastor, what do I have to do? Well, the first thing is to just come to the realization that Jesus Christ is who he said he is. And that he's done what he says he's done. And then to realize that I am a sinner and I can't do anything to solve my problems on my own. But if I'll seek his forgiveness and I'll accept his gift, then he'll give me the gift of eternal life. How do I do that? In just a moment, we're going to stand I'm going to ask everyone to bow their head and to close their eyes and I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you need that question answered and settled in your life for you to leave your seat and for you to come and see me down here in the front. No one will hear and I'll give you someone 
If you're a man, I'll give you a man. If you're a lady, I'll give you a lady. And I'll ask them to take you to a, a separate room where they can counsel you and where they can show you how the Bible says that you can know without any doubt that you have eternal life. That it's forever. They can answer your questions. They won't pressure you. They'll just show you what God said. And you can make the decision on your own. And they'll help you. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved. I know I've got that, but man, sin has sure defeated my life. My sin is still wreaking havoc in my life. It's wrecking me. You neglected that salvation. You've not tapped into the potential of that salvation. That salvation that you receive from Christ is more than just eternal life. It's an abundant life right now. It's a life free from the power of that sin. It's a life free from the coercion of that sin. And he can set you free from that too, if you'll let him. Pastor, how do I do that? Well, if you've got those problems, there's sin in your life that needs to be confessed. If you need someone to pray with you, I'll be glad to get someone to do that. Perhaps you just need to come and kneel and pray and say, God, forgive me. God, give me victory over this. And then seek some advice and some counsel. Get in your word and study. It's available. It's powerful. It's there. And it's real. Because it is a great salvation. Don't neglect it.